Welcome to another episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. Oh, coming to you once again through the magic, the worldwide interweb, because Aaron has departed the verdant uh, fields of Middle Tennessee and has gone back to California. Not permanently, right? Not permanently, Aaron? Not permanently. Only for five weeks. Five weeks. All right. So there you are out in the Central Coast. I'm here in lovely, rainy uh, Middle Tennessee. And, uh, brother, I miss you already. I hope it's going well for you out there. Yeah. I never realized how brown it was, honestly. The honest truth. <laughs> Driving into my hometown. And I'm, I'm looking out right now at a horse pasture out this beautiful window. Uh, and it's just brown with beautiful green oak trees all around. Oh, sure, but yeah. everything else is just brown, and I, I never realized that till living for seven months in a place that's very verdant, as you so studly named it. Yeah, well, they don't call California the Golden State for nothing. I mean, it's uh, pretty yellowish-brown out there. Yeah. I, I actually was thinking about Sting's Fields of Gold, which sounds so damn romantic, right? As we walked in fields of gold, I'm like, those are, I, I was with one of my youngest son last night. We were looking out the same window before I took him to a friend's and I said, man, I just want to walk across that field and up into those hills. And he said, well, let's do it. I said, no, man, that's all like weeds and stickers. It'll end up in our socks. It'll just be a pain. So that's fields of gold. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, I will tell you though, I feel as though I'm in, I'm in a bit of a romantic mood, Aaron. Uh, because Allie and I just uh, a couple days ago concluded a two-day intensive oh, with uh, last last time you brought the romantic mood. I had to give you a back rub, so this is much better. <laughs> okay, go on. Uh, I'm just so glad Sarah, this is going. Allie, Allie and I have been married 41 years. We we are veterans of a few marriage enrichment weekends, that kind of thing. But the first time, this is the first time in all our time together, that we ever put ourselves into the hands of a therapist for two straight days. And I had a lot of uh, trepidation. I was concerned about this. Wasn't sure whether I was going to be able to handle it, whether Allie was going to be able to handle it. But it turned out to be one of the best gifts that we've ever given ourselves. And I'm just so grateful for the time that we had together and, and, and really just the capable help of Lori Loki, wonderful, skilled therapist here in Middle Tennessee. So it was great, man. It was awesome. great. I highly recommend it. Yeah. I, I can't yeah. believe for all the work you've both done individually that you've never done something like this together. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. Well, it always, people know, yeah, it felt safer just to do it separately. I think, uh, you know, I can talk about her without her in the room and vice versa. Uh, yeah. So we both had a lot of individual therapy, but, uh, never have actually sat in the room together. So it was good. It was really good stuff. Yeah. And and even though we covered ground that was familiar to both of us, uh, being able to approach it from a different direction, to see a different perspective, to be a little bit deeper, uh, it just, uh, you know, we saw things we hadn't seen before. I felt things that I have not felt before. And, uh, yeah, it was a very good, very, very good thing. Wow. That's awesome. 
Now you yeah. had a blog today that you wanted to read from. I love it. I, I'm curious. Yeah, exactly. I have no idea what's happening, but you're going to read <laughs> a, an excerpt or a whole blog and something's going to happen. Yeah. What's going on? Well, yeah, one of the therapists that Allie has seen in the past, as a matter of fact, a woman, really one of the matriarchs of Christian counseling here in Middle Tennessee, is uh, is Margaret Phillips. And uh, I had I heard her name spoken in reverent tones for years before we finally made it into her office. And I, I'm now on the distribution list for a blog that she periodically publishes. This one came across a couple of weeks ago, and I saved it because I thought it was germane to uh, Samson, to our audience. And I really would like to get reaction from our listeners to Margaret's thoughts. Uh, because she's writing about a show I have never seen. Uh, I, I've never seen Game of Thrones, so I feel you know. So I'm I'm, the, I'm on the outside of many a conversation here, but uh, but Margaret has some real thoughts about it, and I want to read this. Uh, the title is "The Latest Wave to Hit the Church: Game of Thrones." She writes. We build our sandcastle safely away from the water. We take great care to build a strong, unique structure. We may even protect it with walls. We leave the beach proudly, giving one last glance before we leave for our hotel room. The next morning, we walk down to the beach, and lo and behold, while we were sleeping, the tide changed. The waves came higher, and our sandcastle was washed away in the night. In my mind, this is a picture of the waves our culture washing. Uh, this is a picture of the waves of our culture washing up further and further to demolish our carefully built mores, undoubtedly while we are asleep. I want to talk about the latest wave that came while we were sleeping: HBO's Game of Thrones. I may sound to some of you like a finger wagging old fogey, outdated, judgmental, narrow minded. However, I am not. I sit in a unique position as a 35-year veteran therapist. I'm able to observe the waves of the culture as they wash through my office. My therapist's chair provides an insider's spiritual and sociological view of the culture, maybe like none other. I agree with Solomon that there's nothing new under the sun, but evil is disguising itself in new and clever ways. As I sit here on an airplane traveling back to Nashville from San Diego, it's hard for me to wrap my head around this Trojan horse called Game of Thrones. The irony is that it's hardly, it hardly seems disguised, but rather a blatant harlot strutting through our culture. These HBO series have been around for years, Margaret, you may be thinking. But if you'll stay with me, I will try to explain how I believe this one is different. J.G. Ballard said, A widespread taste for porn means that nature is alerting us to some threat of extinction. I cannot take this more seriously than I am. Back to Solomon and his observation of nothing new. Yes, lust has been alive and well on planet Earth since the origin of man. Forms of porn were probably written in cuneiform on cave walls somewhere. But with the invention of the printing press, lust had a vehicle to become more available. The waves began to grow. 
When printed words left the pages and jumped onto movie screens, another wave was formed and washed further ashore. When computers came along, well, the workload of the therapy offices took a jolting hit. Now whole centers are built for the treatment of sex addiction. By the way, I would argue that the number one factor causing divorces now is not finances, but porn. It eats from the underside like termites underneath a house. So here we stand in a whole new wave of evil, but this time the tide washed in nearer than ever to the God-fearing man and woman on the pew. The number of measured viewers of Game of Thrones is 23.3 million. And I'm guessing we're not touching the number of young teens watching it on their phones. <laughs> Well-known journalist, not theologian, Matthew Walter, said that he got all the way into season six before he realized that, quote, I was endangering my immortal soul, unquote. However, pop culture is not my main concern today. My concerns are the everyday man and woman in the pew, the church leaders, teachers, and preachers who for the first time may become seriously addicted to porn to a level, level they never thought possible. The wave is Game of Thrones. It will serve as a kind of gateway drug for those who've never tried porn in its raw form. It's the old, everybody's doing it, must be okay, it seems acceptable form of seduction. Let me be more specific about my alarm. Game of Thrones contains graphic violence, explicit sex, nudity, incest, sexual violence, and objectification of women. It's known for its sex positioning, creating brothels as backdrops, using naked women and female sex slaves, being used as public commodities. For more on sex position, see blogger Miles McNutt, who coined the term. Game of Thrones uses the blatant philosophy of mastery and dominance of males over the submissives, which, by the way, is enticing young women of low self-esteem in its clutches right here in Nashville, Tennessee. Come sit in my office. Game of Thrones is porn. They are purported to be in a legal dispute with Pornhub because sex scenes from Game of Thrones are being shown on their porn site without permission. At the Bunny Ranch, a legal brothel in Nevada, they're allegedly reenacting and offering Game of Thrones experiences. Just pay the money. Today, I stand as a sort of watchman on the wall, waving flags and shining a light on only one phenomenon of evil that's broken through a new barrier of Christendom. Men and women of the pew and of the cloth partook of something they would have never considered at one time. How did this happen? How does something go from unacceptable to acceptable? What has to change for this to take place? For many, as I said, Game of Thrones will serve as a gateway drug. It felt good and exciting. Some will be hooked into levels of addiction in a world so dark, so dank. The world of porn is a bottomless pit in our uncivilized civilization. Here's a summary by Matthew Walther, who, by the way, is in his 30s, not his 70s, based on his last watched episode of Game of Thrones. He says, quote, my goodness, I've just spent an hour 
watching to see if a guy who raped a teenage girl at bow and arrow point is going to be eaten alive by the animals he spent the last few seasons subjecting to forms of cruelty that make Michael Vick look like a PETA ambassador or beaten to death in the freezing cold by his victim's half-brother. Thank goodness the guy who set his terminally ill daughter on fire is a pyromaniac in a pyromaniac uh, oblation to a heathen god at the behest of a witch who never seems to wear any clothes is not around to prevent justice from being carried out here. The woman whose size makes her the frequent butt of bestiality-related jokes killed him just in time. Lucky she has a wealthy and well-connected benefactor in the one-armed knight whose hobbies from childhood have included killing people and sleeping with his queen mother, queen sister, including in a church right next to the corpse of one of their unacknowledged sons, to whom we were first introduced when he pushed the little brother of the above-mentioned rape victim out of a window to conceal his incest from her drunken prostitute-addicted domestic abuser husband. Almighty God has made me in his own image and endowed me with faculties of reason and sense perception and given me a free will so that I can tune in next week to see whether the unidextrous dueling champ's royal sister sets her daughter-in-law and the rest of her extended family on fire or just a bunch of priests. Hallelujah. We were warned. uh, That's unquote. Now back to Margaret. We were warned at a summit in Atlanta by leading sex researchers. And I stated on the back cover of my book, The Marriage Yard, that a tsunami was coming. I wrote that before Game of Thrones, a tsunami, I wrote that before Game of Thrones. A tsunami washed out more than sandcastles. It washes away major structures as well as infrastructure. It has no selectivity or mercy. It takes everything in its path. Game of Thrones is not insidious. It is blatant. It's discussed by your co-workers openly and blatantly, your friends on Facebook, even in your care group after Bible study, as though it were the latest episode of Andy Griffith in the town of Mayberry. It's the in thing. Everybody's doing it. Can't be that bad. In actuality, it's a ringside seat to hell. I stand today on the rooftop shouting a warning. So let him who has ears to hear, let him hear. Uh, I get the impression Margaret was a little concerned and a little upset. Yeah, well, that's that's the impression I got too. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I would have a, a number of pushbacks on a lot of stuff she said, actually. But I'm well, sure you really? she's yeah. very experienced, far more than me, in uh, yeah. counseling couples or individuals. Uh, so she's probably smarter and writer than me. Uh, <laughs> and, and I'm also not endorsing Game of Thrones as a, a fantastic piece of literature or HBO show. Right, um, yeah, yeah. I just, I think, hmm, how do I see you? You're, you're making me think off the cuff on a very complex thing. She said a lot of different things that could be unpacked. As you were reading it, I thought, geez, I need to like write down an outline of separate topics. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think the, here's my two biggest things, and I think you're right. I would love to hear from our listeners on this because uh, I'm yeah. sure there's a lot of thoughts. One, she's making it sound like Game of Thrones is some big turn 
and I remember having access to HBO maybe 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember what the show was, but it was a it was a great show that I wanted to watch. It was well written, but then they kept throwing sexual stuff in. And I was like, what is it with right. HBO that like has to turn everything into softcore porn? And right. it was really frustrating. And I remember there was another show that came out and it too went that direction. So this has been an HBO thing for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. And I've, I've read uh, one and a half of the Game of Thrones books at the recommendation. I, don't even, I think it might have been before the shows even came out. A guy just loved them. And uh, I was just, uh, I w- it wasn't my thing at the time. But I've seen mm-hmm. the author, Martin something. Again, I would have looked this up if uh, I knew we were talking about it. And he talks like some kind of sage or philosopher. He kind of takes on this C.S. Lewis or Tolkien character. And, right. and yet there's a semi-smut factor to his stuff. Uh, she's not wrong that this, this uh, is all wrapped around, uh, you know, uh, an age-old stories of striving for power. There's age-old stories of justice and revenge and all of that. But then you've got the incest and the sex and all of that. So when I watched him interviewed after the show came out, I thought it was kind of funny how he had a sage-like persona while so many people were like, oh, am I going to get to see that actress's boobs? Um, so it's a, it's a weird combination. Uh, so it's it's not new. In fact, it always makes me think back to when I, I got a Rolling Stone subscription when I was a youth pastor just to read interviews from bands that kids were listening to so I could mm-hmm. know more about their heart. And I still have the article in a file somewhere when the movie American Pie came out. Remember those movies, American Pie? Oh, sure. Absolutely. So yeah. I got to say it's like early 2000s, maybe even late. Maybe it was 1999, somewhere in there. Um, And the article said there's a major shift in movies now where the females are just as lusty as the males. And I remember Mm -hmm. reading that and being horrified, thinking, that's not a good thing. Like, it's seriously, guys are going to take this two steps farther than women ever will. Yeah. Um, So, you know, that was. Geez, that was nearly 20 years ago. And those yeah. I, I hung out with some of those young people a couple of years ago, and they're in their mid-30s now. And they're a generation where everything gets sexualized. And even on network television where they can't show the pornographic parts, it is the same philosophical moorings as Game of Thrones. I mean, minus the incest, because that would be weird and like a a loft in Brooklyn sitcom. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I, I feel like this isn't like some, but what I do agree with is when I hear people talk about it, like it's not a weird show to be watching, the water cooler conversations, yeah. that people aren't yeah, embarrassed. Yeah. I agree with that. But there's been a, a progression, and certainly HBO shows before this have just continually seen that no matter what the story is or the value of the story, if they put nudity and graphic sex, I mean, it's, it's still, I guess, softcore porn. I don't know what the definitions of it are, but it's, it's uh, softcore porn. 
They've been doing that forever because people are watching it. This isn't new. I think what yeah. she's saying that yeah. is true is people are okay talking about it and not even being embarrassed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe we should have uh, Margaret on the show sometime and question on her, uh, question her on this further. But in the meantime, I would love to get reaction from the listeners. Wait, wait. So I, I, I want to say one more thing before, because yeah. I want them to react to this as well. This, the second thing okay. that struck me is when we talk about this as some tsunami, as some you know dragon, as the, yeah. the great thing that's coming. Um, man, I sit in so many conversations with folks that I coach every week, and it's not going to change the availability mm-hmm. of shows like this. Uh, a friend of both of ours, when he and I would uh, take times of extra effort to guard our minds, we would we would talk about sips. And sips were, okay, you're not looking at pornography, but, oh, there's this right. other thing that still conjures those feelings. Right. And yep. I, so I think for a lot of people, their sips, it's not, okay, I'm not going to go on to Pornhub or whatever, but I'm, right. I'm going to go on Netflix, and here's a show that I know has some uh, graphic sexual scenes that's going to, you know, fill that yes. So I'm yep. talking to people knowing that's not going away. In fact, it's only going to increase. The fact that Margaret mm. Wright's blog is not going to change the fact that HBO has just proven how marketable this is. Yes. So we have to address it not from a, I don't know, we have to address it from a realistic standpoint, especially for young people that don't even know what it's like to live without that. This is yeah. their permeated culture. And I'm thinking of a, a friend of mine who's in his late 50s that the sips are all around him. And mm-hmm. we, we talk about having sobriety experiments where, okay, he, he might not know how to just, you know, say, I, 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 can, I can avoid seeing or experiencing everything because it's going to hit him from places he doesn't even know. Okay. Right. Well, sometimes it means let's take a month. Let's take three months to say, I'm not going to go to bed watching YouTube, watching Netflix, places that maybe some of those sips have come in where it's not. I'm surfing for porn. And mm-hmm. then in that time, finding out what does it mean to your soul? What does it mean to your heart? Did you discover something about yourself? I always discover stuff about myself with sobriety experiments, even with stuff that's not you know, intrinsically wrong. There's nothing wrong with watching YouTube, but Hey, try not watching it every night. Once you're trying to go to bed and this is like your way to go to bed. And that's a speaking of personal experience. I fall asleep to many a Joe Rogan podcast. Um, so I think there has to be a plan of action in a world and a culture where this is part of our world and culture. Right. Yeah. I hear you. So yeah, I want to hear I want to hear what listeners also think about that. Okay. And we will repeat the email address throughout the episode, but for now, uh, in case you have a pen handy, you can always reach us at piratemonkpodcast@gmail.com. At and yeah. while we're asking while we're asking for feedback, we got another request. From, we got another letter from uh from from a guy in Florida who's looking for feedback information from from 
other face-to-face group leaders around the country. Can I read that? Well, you don't need my permission. I'm just Aaron. All right. You're Nate. <laughs> All right. Well, this one comes from John Boggess down in Orlando, Florida. But by the way, I was just down in Orlando last week. I got to hear John Sidlowski, uh, a Samson guy down in Orlando who helped uh, launch the Lakeland Group and very instrumental in the Orlando Group. Uh, he's the head of something called Whitestone uh, Partners, Whitestone Professionals. I don't know. Very respected uh, CFO type. Great guy. Been to a, I, I'm sure you've met John. He's been to a, at least one retreat, I think, too. Anyway, I heard that he was going to tell his story at the uh, Greater Orlando Christian Chamber of Commerce luncheon. Uh, so uh, I went down. Uh, because I just wanted to support him, and I was not alone. There were 15 Samson guys, a bunch of guys, made the long drive over from Lakeland just to be there. And John did such a fantastic job telling his story, modeling authenticity and vulnerability, uh, really telling a very painful, ugly story about his public exposure as a sex addict. But then uh, all that has come out of that, and he and he talked about how uh, his experience, uh, how the community he found, that safe community he found in the Samson Society um, has been so instrumental in his recovery. It was an inspiration to me to be there in the room and to listen to John. He did such a masterful job. He so humble, but direct and very effective. You could have heard a pin drop in that ballroom. Uh, and I am you quite know, certain. You know what I love about this? Oh, you're quite certain. What? Go ahead. What are you quite certain of before? I, I'm, I'm, I'm quite certain that in the months and years ahead, many a man and probably women as well uh, are going to find their way to John's door by night like Nicodemus because he he marked himself as uh, maybe the safest man in Orlando. Maybe yeah. the safest man in Orlando. Print that man up some business cards. <laughs> <laughs> No, what what I love is that you're sitting in the audience, and uh-huh. I don't know how many years I have sat in a pew or chair and listened to you tell your story. Right, and, yeah. And, you know, that's great. But the fact that you get to now sit in the chair of a person telling their story, it, yeah. it's not the story that has the power, it's the power of community and the gospel that has the power. That's right, that's right. Yeah. And yeah. it's not only people that have uh failed and been caught in some sexual, you know, crazy story that has a story. Some people have uh have patiently endured hard stuff in their marriages. They have a story. Some people yeah, right, have sure, had sure. a spouse that's an addict and that's a story. Right. It's, uh it's everybody has a story, but we only learn to tell it when we start opening our mouths and practicing in small rooms with a group of guys. Yeah. 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 Hey, uh, well, anyway, one of John Sidlowski's running buddies there in Orlando is John Boggess. Uh, and I'm sure you've met John as well. Well, I just assume Uh, everybody in Orlando is named John at this point. (laughs) Okay. I don't know. Maybe a safe assumption. Um, Anyway, we got a note from John, and he's actually asking for input from other members of face-to-face meetings. 
so he, he sent a letter. I'm going to go ahead and read it. And uh, please, uh, you can you can respond by sending an email to piratemonkpodcast at gmail.com. John writes, hey, brothers, this is John Boggess from Orlando. I have a question that I would love to get feedback on from other men in local face-to-face Samson Society meetings. My chapter's group life outside of our normal meeting night is way less than vibrant. I have been trying for years to get our men to do life together, way beyond our Monday night meetings or meeting after the meeting. I try to coordinate monthly socials with families and without. I've sent monthly newsletters. I've sent group texts. And yet, at times, it feels like our guys, not all of them, mind you, are apathetic, expecting only me as the admin to keep the pulse of the group alive. I've offered to help my brothers move, offered to meet guys for lunch. And if it's not me giving the relationships emotional CPR, it feels like no one else cares. So here are my questions. One, is this level of engagement typical? Two, Do other face-to-face groups have meaningful group life outside of the scheduled meeting nights? And three, if yes to number two, what have they done to cultivate it? I love my brothers. I want them to embrace true community. I want them to grow in our group and in their own recovery journey. And I know they have to want it too. I just want to be diligent in doing my job as the group's yeah, facilitator slash logistics guy. Thanks, brothers. Love you all, John. Wow, he's he's talking about the difference between finding brotherhood and finding friends because there's a difference. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'll be very interested to hear uh, what other guys have to say, and we will read some of the. I will forward all responses on to John and read some of them on the air in well, subsequent I'll, episodes. I'll tell you what, should we, and let's not do it today because you have a whole interview that you did. Um, so we shouldn't get into it today, but I, I immediately am curious to hear your thoughts on that. So next time, can we address those questions? Oh yeah. Yeah. I think when, once we get some intact, uh, some, some input from other brothers, I'd love to spend some more time talking about this issue. Okay. I think it's, I think it's great. Uh, it's great questions. Thanks, John. Number two. Uh, and I hope that John number 3,336 <laughs> will let you know what he thinks. From Orlando, Florida. Meanwhile, in your absence, I have had a stimulating conversation with a great guest who I am eager for our listeners to meet. So stay with us. We'll be back in a moment here on the Pirate Monk Podcast. In the middle of the 
And welcome back to the Pirate Monk Podcast. So happy to have on the show today an old friend. He's not old, but we've been we've been friends for a good long while. I appreciate that, Nate. <laughs> yeah. Although I understand you did cross the big 40 barrier, didn't you? Yeah, which is kind of scary, but someone just told me 60s is a new 40, so I'm not over the hill yet. Which is <laughs> it's coming to rub it in. But. Noel Boucher of Pure Hope is here. Uh, no, we were introduced, oh man, eight, nine, ten years ago, uh, back before Pure Hope was Pure Hope. That's right. Yeah, Yeah. that's right. Uh, what was it being called then? Was it still the Coalition Against Pornography? Well, it, so let's back up. Yeah. Our organization was founded in the early eighties, uh, early, you know, 83 as the National Coalition Against Pornography. Right, so very right, specific right. issue, very clear. Came out of the church in St. Louis, right? In Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Came out okay, of the church in okay. the Midwest. Okay, in the Midwest. And that was close. You were very Pastor close. Jerry Kirk, did That's I have right. that right? That's right, you had that right. And okay. he, you know, he, had, he saw what, what porn was doing to people in the early 80s when you still had to go out and find it. This is before the internet. You know, way before the internet, yeah, okay. and, uh, and and saw what it was doing to lives, yeah, to to families, to to relationships, and so wanted to do something about it, and so it was founded then. And of course, you know, then a very different landscape, not yep. just culturally, not just technologically, but legally, yeah. So there was a different focus, and the, the ministry, you know, I think anything that's been around for almost you know thirty five years, you're going to evolve, right? Just sure. like we do as individuals, organizations do as well. And, and we've done that. So, yeah, when we met and started doing some conferences together, you mm-hmm. spoke at a couple conferences that we hosted. Uh, that was just at about the point we were really, uh, really at the point that I came to the ministry. Yeah. It was about 10 years ago. And we said, you know, it, it's time to really reflect on, A, what the Holy Spirit's doing, B, what's happening in the culture, see what things are going to look like five years from now. So we yeah. get ahead of some of these things. And yeah. so we did a rebranding. Reset our strategy, uh, you know, really just started to, to, to stretch uh, towards the future. And that's when we branded towards pure hope, which comes from 1 John 3, 3, which says that all those who hope in him and Jesus purify themselves as he is pure. And so, you know, I, I'll jump into this right away because uh, it ties into my personal story. But as a ministry, we were, we, we've gone through a transformational process. Mm-hmm. And again, that, that's just natural. Sure. Healthy things grow, growing things change. Mm-hmm. And so transformation is always occurring when, when there's health. And I think the history of our ministry tracks what we're going to talk about here today, um, of what the Lord's doing, but also the, 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 te- the trends we see around us. But, you know, our starting point is usually an issue, and that's how the ministry started, pornography. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we started as an issue-based thing. There's a problem. Yeah. we got to do something about it. Yeah, yeah. And, and that, that tracked my journey. I learned about you know, human trafficking and sexual exploitation uh, when I came out of college. It led me to law school because I thought, well, to deal with an issue, you go get credentials and you go do something about mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you slowly start to realize that, that it's not the issue so much as, as the behavior. There's behaviors that, that are causing that. So you kind of get to the next level. Yeah. But if we're healthy and growing and we're really pressing in the Lord's heart, we see it's actually not about the behaviors. Underneath that yeah. is identity, yeah, identity yeah. issues. Who am I? You know, it's my identity that's broken that, that, that can lead to these outward manifestations. Hurt people hurt people. Right. And, and so I grew in that and realized, man, you know, this is who am I? Who am I as a son of God? Where, where are my issues and my baggage, you know, from growing up uh, as a firstborn, uh, as a as a one on the Enneagram, yeah, uh, yeah. As, a, as a coach's kid, uh, you're seeing all my wounds and baggage starting to come out right now. Uh, 
But then we don't stop there. From identity, we move to relationship. And we'll talk more about this, but it's about relationship. And that's why pure hope kind of landed where we did. We say, you know, purity is not an accomplishment. It's a relationship with the pure one who is purifying us. Wow, and I so, love that. Yeah. You, know, you can see where we're going with that. Like yeah, this, yeah. this whole topic of, you know, just the moralism and, and purity and how, what that's come to mean in the church. Yeah. Uh, we're trying to turn that on its head and really say, hey, this is about the pure one purifying us. And that's that's a hopeful message for everyone. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So let's back up a little bit. I'd love to get a little bit more of your story. Uh, when I met you, you were the uh, the rising star, the hotshot young guy who had been brought in. I, I guess you weren't you weren't recruited. Did the Holy Spirit recruit you? How did you show up at this crazy off? Huh? <laughs> yeah, it's it, that's a you were a litigation story. attorney. I went crazy. That's how I ended up at. Uh, <laughs> that's what the people at the law firm thought. Yeah, uh, but you know, I uh, my wife and I both were impacted by again the issues. Uh, yeah, yeah, and we were looking for our path and what God was going to do, and we realized, man, this global sex trade and just the exploitation of human beings is, is big, big, big and bad. We want to go do something about it. So I went to law school, but always wanted to, um, even as I kind of stepped into a, a, a job as a litigator at a big firm, yeah. wanted to get into a space where I was making an impact and thought yeah. that would be frontline kind of human rights work yep. abroad because, you know, that's where stuff happens. It doesn't right. happen here. It happens somewhere else. we got to go sure. fix it. Sure, sure. And started to realize this happens everywhere. Started to realize the interconnectivity of... Yeah. of of uh, really injustice, yeah. and, and then hence brokenness that right. that creates. Yeah. And and that kind of pivot, as I was working at a law firm, said, man, I, I really want to get into this space where I'm serving. Um, got connected. At that time, we were living in Ohio mm-hmm. after moving around a little bit. Got connected with this ministry. And at first, I fought it. I said, this, no, this is not for me. In fact, I went for a walk because <laughs> here I am, you know, working at this firm and, you know, the money's good, uh, but, but my heart's stirring. And I went for a walk and uh, had, you know, kind of this started some conversations with uh, with my predecessors, great team, great men of God, mm-hmm. great people, great men and women across the country. Um, but I was like, at that time, porn, you know, uh, sex, uh, yeah. God, this is doesn't seem like what you've prepared me for. Mm-hmm. You know, you've prepared me to go do justice, to go yeah. get the bad guys, to yeah, go, yeah. you know, free the captives. Um, what, what's this all about? This seems so peripheral. Mm-hmm. And that was a I'll never forget that moment and where I was because it's like the Holy Spirit stopped me, mm-hmm. kind of patted me on, on my head. You know, the Lord is very gentle with us. He's like, son, just hold on and listen to me. Yeah. He said, not peripheral. He said, central. Central to who my people are, my sons and daughters are. This is where they are attacked. This is where they're exploited. This is where they're hurting. Their sexual identity is where I manifest my glory, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Scripture says he is a husband to his people. You know, we are the, the bride. I mean, all this comes together in our identity as male and female image bearers. And it just kind of uh, transformed my thinking. And so, uh, you know, obviously there was, you know, a journey from there, but it's really a place we've landed at the ministry. It's really one of our first principles. We've kind of excavated as we've listened to the Holy Spirit, which is that sex is about identity before activity. Um, it's, it's kind of a head scratcher at first as we think about that, mm-hmm. but, uh, it's true. I mean, the Bible starts on page one talking about sex. It says we were created male and female, right, right, which right. is literally what sex is. Now in the English language in the last hundred years, sex has come to me, didn't always mean, but has come to me in activity. That's why we kind of blush. Right. We don't want to talk about it in the church. We don't right. want to talk about it in polite company, but it's on every one of our birth certificates. Right, right, right. right. Because sex comes from a Latin term that literally means to divide. It, yeah. We are, the, the, our, our race is divided male and female to reflect his glory. And we really understand that. And that, you know, the sexual activity we can then steward flows out of that. We start to see why the adversary taxes here. 
Yeah. You know, yeah, your taxes yeah. here because yeah. then shame comes in, mm-hmm. our, 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 our sense of self and worth is lost, uh, barriers are erected to God and others. So it's been a really cool journey to from that moment of, you know, where I thought I was going to go save the world as a yeah. young, you know, uh, yeah. uh, you know, uh, energetic uh, uh, social justice warrior <laughs> and, uh, you know, going to change the world to really recognizing it starts here. Yeah. It starts here. And this is what at Samson Society, at Pure Hope, everything's all about is coming to a place where that pure one is purifying us through relation. We come and just everything's open. Yeah. All my secret, I break the power of the secret that yeah. I've been working so hard to protect. Mm-hmm. The personas, yeah, yeah. That, that the masks that we've been wearing, we just lay them down. And then we start to see, uh, as, as we're going to talk about here in a little bit uh, with the film, that our brokenness becomes a bridge, not a barrier right. to the Father. Yeah. And yeah. that's what you've been doing around the world for you know a long time now. So um, I'm still learning from you, my oh, man. Oh, man, yeah. Isn't it? But isn't it true? We really can only learn in relationship. Yeah. Uh, my attempts to go off by myself and figure this thing out, think my way out of out of out of this corner I've managed to maneuver myself into, mm-hmm. all comes to naught. Mm-hmm. I need other healing people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we heal together. We walk together. Yeah. Uh, I am. I was not surprised to learn that you were involved in this fantastic project, the Heart of Man film. And Samson, Samson guys, of course, love Heart of Man. Yeah, of and and uh, uh, Jason Pamer, I, I was privileged to see some of the early rushes. Uh, ran into him out in Portland or Seattle someplace. I forget where we were. But uh, yeah, how did, how did that happen? What was kind of your connection to the film? And where have you seen the film go? And how, how, how has that impacted you and impacted the mission and ministry of Pure Hope. Yeah, well, great questions, and so happy to hear this had a positive impact on you know Samson society oh, yeah. guys around the world. I mean, it has gone around the world, and the stories of healing and and transformation that you know come back to us, yeah, yeah. whether at events and screenings or through Facebook or whatever, are amazing. And uh, that that's a cool journey too. I mean, everything's a journey, mm-hmm. and and that journey started uh, out in Seattle uh, more than a decade ago. I met Jason and mm-hmm. Eric Esau, our director, and they were working on another project. Yeah. Uh, called Rape for Profit. Right. You know, their their first film kind of in the space that looked at sex trafficking in a major American city in Seattle and, and kind of a gritty documentary style, a mm-hmm. lot of expert, you know, interviews woven with uh, kind of just like cop style footage of going out on the streets with Seattle PD and uh, taking down, you know, guys who were buying and, 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 and pimping and trafficking and talking to women and getting testimonies and stories. Powerful, powerful piece. And that's when I met them. They took some footage of me and we just started a friendship. Uh, they're, they're incredible guys and I couldn't not, uh, you know, just uh, go deep with them right away. Um, and we've really encouraged each other over the years. But then, you know, then a film ends and it's time for the next project. Mm-hmm. And so I was talking to those guys and this is really my main role. I served as an executive producer on the film and, you know, helped throughout the journey. And it's been quite a journey. It's been transformative for me, which I'll mention here in a second. But uh, I think my claim to fame with the film was uh, I, 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 I connected two people, specifically Jason Pamer and Tony Anderson. Oh, yeah. And out of that came the magic yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that is the heart of man. I, I'll never forget standing, in fact, on uh, I met Tony. Uh, who's featured in the film, mm-hmm, who's sure. the visionary behind the film, uh, who composed, oh, scored right. the film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, brilliant, brilliant and courageous uh, man and, and a good, good friend. 
And he had his own project, uh, a film concept that would become The Heart of Man, but after a couple uh, pivots. Mm-hmm. But he's he's in Kentucky, Jason's in Seattle. They're both stuck yeah. with a project that, that's not going anywhere because they have to get over humps because you got to build a team. Sure. I mean, just like in recovery, just like in life, just yeah. like in business or on the football field, whatever it is, you need a team. Right. You need the right people around you. And I never forget being on Riverside Drive in New York City because I was there for something. And I'm calling Jason across the country. He's in Seattle, and he's he's got a baby on the way, and he's looking for the next project. And that's a scary place when sure. you, you know you know you're uh, you don't know what the future holds, and yet you've got this, all this opportunity, but you're waiting, and you're young. I mean, these cats were in their 20s at that time, and he's groaning in the film and, and over the phone. I'm like, dude, just call Tony Anderson. That's yeah. all I'm asking. Just yeah. call Tony. And he's giving me all the reasons he's not going to. You know? yeah, 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 yeah. Tony's the same way I'm calling him, but I'm sitting there on a street corner watching <laughs> New York taxis just buzz by trying to hear him. And I said, just call. And they called. And within a month, a friendship was birthed. Yeah. A vision was birthed. Networks of people came together yeah. that, that then became the heartbeat of this film. And the pivot that happened, even as we wrote the film, was from this, this, this kind of sequence that we talked about from issue to behavior, to identity, to relationship. The film was going to be kind of another piece in that genre of let's connect porn and trafficking mm-hmm. and you know abuse and how that leads and how hurt people hurt people and how all these things have root systems that we've got to get at and how Jesus is the answer and, mm-hmm. and you know intimacy and relationship. But it was going to be kind of a rehash of what they'd already done in Breaking yeah, yeah. Profit. Yeah, yeah. And so we kept praying, we kept writing, we kept looking, and we realized there's something that's not being addressed theatrically or, or really artistically in a, in a profound way. And that's shame. Right, yeah. That shame, which is that inner voice mm-hmm. that, that I'm not worthy, that I'm fundamentally broken. You know, guilt is something I've done wrong. Shame is I am wrong. Right, right. Um, and this has been your message for, for, for years with Samson Society. And that's really what we recognized was the thing. Yeah. That's the thing. That's what we have to go after. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, that changed everything. It changed sure. how we thought about the allegory right. with the prodigal, the reimagined prodigal son. It changed how we thought about the voices. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, the one thing about the Heart of Man film that I think the Samson Society will get, I think that this community gets, is um, not everyone can speak this language. Yeah. And, and it's not a matter of skill or worthiness or honor. It's just, you know, you... you you have to, uh, right now I'm doing some writing on Hosea. And Hosea was, he went through it. Yeah, sure. But because he went through it, he could see with new eyes. He could speak right. with a new vocabulary. He could see God in a new way. And and that's what happened with the film. We had, There's a lot of great leaders mm-hmm. who we interviewed who didn't make the final film. They're still on the cutting room floor. Yeah. Because they couldn't quite hit the heartbeat yeah. of this reality that our brokenness is the bridge to yeah. the Father, not a barrier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in fact, we talked to a lot of leaders who, names who, you know, uh, you know, and listeners yeah, know, yeah. and, and um, honestly, like even just things with father wounds that would come out that weren't yet fully addressed, you mm-hmm. can see it. Yeah. Uh, so the right people made the cut, the right voices are there. I mean, incredible, brilliant people. It's just, it's an amazing film. And, you know, we can talk more about the details, but if you've seen it, you know, you, you know the value yeah. of this message and coupling that with production value. Oh. That's mind blowing. Come on. I mean, that's, come on. That's the secret sauce. Uh, <laughs> I mean, anyone can make a film and layer with Christian cheese, and we can use all the best language. It's not going to go anywhere. A film like this that's gone around the world is only going to happen because there's excellence and quality at every turn, and that's that's what this team aimed for. And uh, I love that the message has continued with the with the the discussion and study guides, with the course that Jay Stringer did with Jason Pamer. By the way, Jay Stringer is going to be at our fall 
conference here. Jay Singer's everywhere. So I, I didn't know that, but I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My man is, uh, he's all over the place. He shows up, random people will be taking selfies with him and text him to me. I'm like, where are you at now? <laughs> yeah. But that's great because his message is timely and yeah, necessary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he'll be here in, in Middle Tennessee in mid-November, or early November, first weekend. Perfect. Um, so look, you're out there, really, you're having daily conversations with people who are involved uh, in... Uh, in the issue of sexual brokenness and recovery. Um, what, what do you see right now? What's, where is kind of the, the heartbeat of the conversation? Hmm. Well, be, is, is, what, do you, do where, you think which, it, which conversation? Yeah, okay. Do we, you think we live that, in a noisy world. <laughs> and all of us every day are, yeah. are swimming between 15 different conversations. Right, right. Uh, publicly and privately. Right, 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 right. Um, first of all, do you see in the broader culture and the culture at large a pushback against pornography? I, I think, well, yes. I mean, you know, over the last probably five years especially, mm -hmm. you, well, you're seeing, I'm, we're seeing conversations about it. Right. I wouldn't say pushback. Yeah, okay. Um, pushback would be, in my mind, you know, direct action. Uh-huh, okay. It, versus just you know, starting the conversation. You've seen a lot of uh, public figures come out, be open about right. the effects of porn in their own life. Not, you know, uh, not, not even just followers of Jesus. I mean, yeah, just, yeah. you know, exactly. throughout society. So you've started to see that. And, uh, and, and we'll see it, uh, you know, only more, I think, yeah. because porn now, I mean, with Gen Z and just growing up in a, you know, a mobile age, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, it's everywhere. It's not like that thing that was ever secret. It's just, yeah. No, now yeah. now the shame still builds up, and so there are secrets. But uh, the, the 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 content's just so out there that uh, it is allowing the conversation to be out there more. And you, you kind of mentioned this before we started. You know, it's churches. That's what we're seeing is there's there's more openness right. to talking about the issue. Now, I would say uh, there's all kinds of factors in the last few years that have done that. I mean, Me Too, and then the church too, and kind of mm -hmm. dealing with the reality of sexual abuse and the, yes. all the factors that would go around that. There's there's more openness to it. Here, here's I'm just going to jump right to this where I think we need to get to. I think we will get to, uh, especially in the church, followers of Jesus. Is is this? We can talk about something more and more and more, and that's good progress. We have to talk about it the right way. Right. And I think with anything related to sex, whether it's whatever the, the conversations we have on it, our infidelity, uh, porn, um, you know, uh, gender identity, whatever right. it is, we we have to make a pivot. And that's what Pure Hope, what we're really focused on is, which is my journey, taking it from the periphery to the center mm -hmm. in a real way. Yeah. And, and addressing it in a real way that's courageous but that's focused and not a check the box. I mean, even when we're still conversations, it still doesn't it kind of feel like bring in the expert, we'll check the box, yeah. we'll create the space somewhere. Yeah. But are we really preaching uh, on, on God's story of sex, mm -hmm. both identity and then the stewardship of that yeah. in the sexual union and its meaning and its purpose? Are we really doing that? Does that come in regularly to our teaching, to our programs, to our equipping of parents? Which, you know, by the way, is where Pure Hope's at. We kind of evolved in our strategy, too, and said, look, we have to target parents. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that means men and women. Yeah. Uh, and at our content, you go to purehope.net, you can see all kinds of incredible content that's available to singles, married, parents, not parents, parents-to-be, grandparents. Mm -hmm as we equip and, and inspire, but 
man, we got to make this fundamental to our, our our journey because this, you know, technology. Oh man, th- this is now a part of uh, of parenting. Yes. So how are we gonna deal with all the topics? Uh, you know, I was at a uh, a meeting. We were meeting uh, in the Midwest uh, last year, and some church a church was there. We kind of talking to the leadership about what you know, our content would do. Yeah. Everything about the ministry, and at one point, someone asked me. You know, you know, you mentioned this phrase, this creating a culture of grace. Mm-hmm. You know, cultivating that. <laughs> you know, culture is cultivated. I heard you say that. So we got to take steps. You know, yeah. it's like soil. Okay, I get that. We got to do things to to create a culture of grace. How would we do that? What's what are the first steps? And I said, well, I, I said here would be my first question to you in response. Uh, and the reason I ask this question is because our words have power. Uh, do you ever use the word porn? In your church, <laughs> like have you ever, you know, has it ever yeah. come up in yeah, sermons yeah. or in yeah. men's ministry, you do retreats, whatever? Because no, you know, we uh, we have a men's accountability group, and we do these five questions, but no, nothing about porn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, you know, see right there, the words we don't say become the words that no one can say. And right. If we can't say the word. We can't talk about the right concept. We can't there talk you go. about you know its reality in our lives. So. Um, so that's how the conversation's happening. It's growing and everything's going to take time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I would say as an overarching thing, why, why I'm hopeful about where we are right now, because mm-hmm. the confusion's growing, right? Yeah, I mean, right. I mean, you know, with trans and everything else, right. there's, there's greater confusion around behavior and identity, gender identity. But that confusion is a form of darkness. It's like clouds. When you're confused, it's like clouds, right? So yeah, the yeah. darkness is, is, is increasing in that way. But, when things get a little darker, it allows light to pierce all the more. And I yeah. think that's what we're seeing and going to see is more openness, more receptivity yes. to having the conversation, not even just like mm-hmm. like you said, in our subcultures or yeah. in, in certain circles, yeah. but extending out. And what is that? That's an opportunity for influence, for ministry into the lives. It's, an, it, it's evangelism. It's an opportunity to evangelize a broken world. It's- I say this over and over again. I do believe that this... Uh, what some people bemoan as this tsunami of, uh, you know, uh, sexual brokenness actually presents us with the greatest evangelistic opportunity that we've had in generations. Amen, bro. Because it brings more and more people at an earlier stage in life to a point of desperation. Yeah. Right? Yeah. To loneliness. Yeah. Yeah. To isolation. And, 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 and the answer is the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. This is, you know, on a, on the macro level, this is what we're poised for. If we yeah. have eyes to see it, like if, if us as leaders, as men and women, as influencers who are following the Lord, who are, if, if we've got eyes to see it, it's like everything, man. I mean, this this pessimism that just kind of reigns, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. it's it's so counterproductive, right? You know, yeah. we see a problem. And, and by the way, I'm speaking here as one who's being healed from this because I'm a one on the Enneagram. So uh-huh. like perfectionism is one of my things. I beat myself up and, right. and I beat others up then because of that. But I'm starting to see, man, every problem is an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And what's the opportunity? And so the problem, uh, you know, the reality, the pain of, of sexual brokenness and of a society that's even more and more exploitative because it's more and more confused is an opportunity to present a story, yeah. which is an entry point to a relationship, which is God's salvation. I mean, that's the whole thing with Hosea. His name meant salvation. Yeah. So here's this guy who goes through infidelity, who, who, who then has eyes to see God as the divine consort 
who has been betrayed, Mm -hmm. who has been left, but who says, I will pursue you. I will betroth you to me in love, compassion, and justice. And and by the way, we're going to be renewed. I'm going to renew my vows with you. This guy named Salvation, literally means salvation, is talking about healing sexual brokenness. That's telling us something. Yeah, yeah. And that's exactly where I think we stand right now. If we have, if we can come together, mm-hmm. if we can surround ourselves, unlike Samson, but like David, yeah. with friends, yeah. with people. I mean, bro, your message has changed my life so much. I, I about five years ago, uh, really went through a season of temptation. Mm-hmm. So I'm in that age where it's you know kind of midlife, and so yeah. these things are coming up. Yep. I was just talking to a guy about this the other day. Um, you know, these crises are real as we go through, as we grow. They're, they're essentially danger meeting opportunity. You know, the opportunity is to go to the next level. Sure, to the yeah. the next life stage. Yeah, the danger is you're going to regress. Yeah. And, and hide and try to get something that's not there anymore. And I went through that. And I used to really, uh, in my judgmentalism, I used to really come down on hard on the whole midlife crisis thing. Yeah, and yeah. guys who were, who, were, who were going through it, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. whether they were getting the cars and the affairs or not. I just like, that's not real. Come on. And then I, I went through it and I'm like, this is real. There's a real heart condition here just because of it's life. It's yeah. the season and it's all these things working out and, and uh, sexual temptation entered my yeah. life in a new way. Yeah. And it was environmentally based mm-hmm. and something I really hadn't encountered because this was like a new season. And uh, because of your teaching, man, I mean, I, it was just... It was resonating in my heart. I mean, I, I you know, I, this temptation was like intense. Mm-hmm. It was all around me. Yeah, it's the kind of temptation where it like consumes you. Yeah, it's available. Yeah. You have dreams about it. You know, yeah. the whole aura of just this yeah. tantalizing yeah. reality is there. And and man, I picked up the phone and I called seven, eight people. You know, within two, three days of it, just exploding in my face. I said, "You got to pray for me." Here's what's going on. Yeah, this has got to happen. And it happened because. I heard Nate Larkin's voice. Are you going to be Samson or David when this thing happens? Are you going to have community around you? Right, exactly. And and, and what I learned was what you always teach, that, you know, we think even that opening up is going to be, um, there's going to be some negative fallout to that. Even though I know I got to do it and I got to be accountable and I got to have community, we still think it's going to be negative because we're self-centered in that moment. But when we open up, that's opening up those people who are hearing it. Yeah. And it's transforming them even as they support us. I yes. mean, this is the whole journey. That's it. Yeah. This is this is everything. And so I walked through that in a really intense way. And 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 that has, you know, instilled a lot of courage in me to continue on, you yeah. know, in this place that we're at. Uh, you know, uh, you and I and so many others of of bearing this mantle of of you know, trying every day to follow Jesus, be obedient, and speak truth that has so long been so hard and dry you know, yeah. rough soil um, yeah. to water it. But we, man, this is an encouragement to anyone who's listening right now. Just, you know, when you break the power of the secret, when you open up, when, when you when you do this, it's going to bear fruit in ways we won't see for years. I'm telling you something now yeah. that's five years old in my life that was from eight years ago when yeah. I first heard you teach it, you know? Wow. So that's that's the, that's a good word for us to always remember, man. The Lord's working and he's gracious and, and we need each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's down the road for you? Do you know? <laughs> uh, any other? Uh, I, I, did, did did you get the uh, executive producing bug? Any other film projects in the? Well, I'm still hanging around these these young filmmakers, these creative cats, and so yeah, they're they're still chirping in my ear. And okay. I think there's a lot more to do. You know, yep. like you said, with the heart of man, you know, we came out with some uh, some resources afterwards, immediately after the film, yeah. and then you know the series with Jay, which is. 
Which is phenomenal. Yeah. It's a phenomenal resource. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Jay's message, you know, obviously his book tracked with what the film did, which says, hey, let's actually look at our lust. It's not hide from it. Right. And it's not the place of shame. It's actually the place of healing. Yeah. And, and, and that meant, you know, really meets up well and dovetails with the metaphors of the film. Sure. You know, sure. With the cliff. Sure. And yeah. we can, we never forget the cliff, <laughs> which, which was real, by the way. I mean, I, you you got to have Justin Torrance, our lead actor who played the prodigal. You got to have him on and I've got to get, because I, I, yeah, he did his own stunt. I he mean, did he his just, own he just, stunt. He was real. And no. the way he held that, oh, I mean, doesn't it make the film? Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. because here's the thing. He had, he kept his eyes fixed on that horizon. Yeah. Which was that, again, that that temptation, that thing that transfixed him and it, and enveloped his whole reality. Yeah. And he's dropping 45 feet off, off a cliff. And, they, and you know why he did it? Because as they were shooting that scene, man, he says, look, I just, you know, was scared out of my mind but i kept just repeating the refrain inside saying every captive free every captive free every oh captive free. wow and it's so real because doesn't that nuance doesn't that element of that film have such a freeing effect yes. for us doesn't yeah. it make yeah. so much of the message of it but you know the resources you know we're still we have an asian release coming up uh, wow. so we're still we've got a number of international releases uh -huh. and i think what we're really trying to do now is take that film and package it for campuses and churches we've nice. had great success in college campuses uh -huh. Um, so we're doing that and creating an event around that and dovetailing Pure Hope principles with it. Um, for you know, guys who are listening right now, Samson Society stuff is incredible. I think if you go to purehope.net, what you see is some content that, again, really dovetails with the Samson Perfect. message, yeah. but applies it in specific areas of our lives. Uh, mm -hmm. Parenting, for example. Yeah. So how do we as fathers you know, walk through uh, the reality? In fact, our, our parenting resource is called Quest which we picked because that's what uh, parenting in a sexualized culture mm -hmm. is. It's a quest with our kids to yeah. journey with them um, through this and navigate it. And, and we built it around the main questions that we have as dads and as moms, which is, you know, what does the Bible actually say about sex? How do I talk to my kids about it? You know, number three, what do I do with the technology? Yeah. And then four, how do I do all that and converse when I have my own past, my own baggage, I've got my own stuff. And so yeah. we're leading into that conversation of authenticity that uh, that's the next step in a lot of our lives, right? Yeah, you yeah, know, when yeah. we come, we find community. Um, how do we continue to live that out and then shepherd it well? So, you know, we're going to keep running with that. Uh, we're podcasting like you are. I think there's going to be more opportunity to really bring some of these voices together. Oh, you are podcasting. What's the name of the podcast? Podcast name is A World Free, which is our vision statement, A World Free of Sexual Exploitation and oh, Brokenness. Oh, nice. Okay. So you guys can find it there. And uh, uh, we need to have you on it. You've had us here. We've had a lot of great uh, interviews and in, in, we just launched recently. So we're still building it out. Okay, great. But it's a great resource. Um, and then, man, you know, just, just growing. Uh, we've got young daughters. Uh, my wife and I continue to journey through this season of our marriage. You know, mm -hmm. we've we've been married next year for 20 years. We've been through a lot of peaks and valleys. Yep. Um, you know, being in this space, uh, she's a professor and a researcher on, on specifically human trafficking policy, and, and she's done an incredible job of taking a lot of what we do on the ministry side and, you know, wrapping that around her policy stuff because, again, it's it's hurt people that hurt people. And so how do you f bring healing to victims? Mm -hmm. But then also how do you address the demand side, how you deal with, uh, you know, the prison, you know, I mean, she's done interviews in prisons that are amazing and, and just seeing how so much brokenness leads to the injustice that we want to point the finger at and go after. Right, 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 right. Uh, right it's right. all about healing. That's what the Lord is doing. He's making there new heavens is. and a new earth, man. It is all about healing. That's that. Yeah. And being free. Yeah. Once we're healed. Yeah. Yeah. Taking off the personas. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's not date Nate anymore. It's not <laughs> Meg Nate anymore. <laughs> It's just Nate and, yeah. and getting to know each other yeah. 
and it's a journey, man. I, I you know, we uh, we could talk for hours, and uh, you know, we uh, we probably will offline. But you know, we are being transformed and healed, and that that takes continuous. It takes faithfulness. Yeah, faithfulness to remain in this yeah. conversation and community. And I encourage everyone who's listening, man. We hit bumps along the way, but just stay, stay. That's it, stay. and stay connected. That's the yeah. key to staying. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Noel. It's been uh, it's been a it's been far too long. <laughs> yeah, but um, I'm just so happy to have have this conversation and have other people listen in. All right. Well, listeners, stick with us. We'll be back in just a moment here on the on the Pirate Monk podcast. The road is long. Welcome back to the Pirate Monk Podcast. Holy cow, that was a great conversation. I loved every second of it. <laughs> right. And by the way, uh, Noel has followed up, uh, has put me in contact with the lead actor from Heart of Man, and uh, we'll, we look forward to having him on an upcoming version of the uh, upcoming episode of the podcast. In the meantime, uh, I just really had a great time. And it was probably better uh, that you weren't here. I don't know why. I think that's often the case, but uh, go ahead. Why, <laughs> why, why have you come to that conclusion? I don't know. Not all, that, was just, that was just a cruel jab. But Noel and I did after the conversation. We had our own meeting after the meeting. We went over to, to, uh, to McCreary's, to the Sacred Pub, and tipped a couple and had a uh, good, deep conversation. Uh, into the night. It was a wonderful evening. That's awesome. So yeah. we want to hear from you listeners. We've got a number of questions, Game of Thrones, and also the questions that have been put forth on friendship versus brotherhood in your meetings coming from Orlando, Florida. Help a brother out. Uh, That's right. Even if he's not your friend. So <laughs> sorry, that, that, just, that felt cold. Uh, I'm leaving it in. So All write right, to yeah, us. Write to us at piratemonkpodcast at gmail.com. 
Meanwhile, don't forget about the upcoming big Samson Society retreat, November 2 through 4 in uh, Middle Tennessee. Can I, tell you uh, how, can I tell you how excited I am to just be able to drive with you there? I mean, I'm assuming we're Yeah. Running. I don't have to yeah, fly yeah. across the country first to get to this. That's just, I'm kind of thrilled. It's like, it's home, well, it's home team. Well, I, I love it. The guys are already organizing road trips and registering in groups. Sad to say all private rooms are already sold out. Semi-private rooms are already sold out. I'm going to get around to try to find a few more if I can. But, uh, but I'll tell you what, those, those bunk rooms in the lodges are, are not too bad. And we will have uh, a great many earplugs uh, to distribute so that, um, you know, uh, snoring should not become a problem. There are lots of outlets for okay, so, CPAP machines, all that kind so of stuff. So that sounds discouraging. There's plenty of space left. You're not saying it's there's lots so of space. Yeah, no, okay. but we have this high we have this high price space. Guys who needed some privacy, wanted some privacy, could pay a little extra to get a semi private or private room. Those are gone. So, uh, so now what we have, we've got kind of got two options. We've got we've got lodge, we've, we've got two different kinds of bunk bunk rooms. The more luxurious ones with the sitting areas and the carpeting and the bigger bathrooms and all that kind of stuff in the lodges. And then the more uh, bare bones, rustic, Spartan. what you remember from what you remember from youth camp, uh, uh, yeah, uh, bunk room accommodation in the cabins. And there's a list of things like wet willies, uh, hand in the warm water. There's all kinds of things that will happen in every room just to bring it all back. <laughs> all right. Well, it's going to be a great time. We're going to add a couple more uh, workshops here in the next couple of weeks because workshops are full. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to a great time getting together with brothers. This is going to be, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be just such an encouragement. All right. Well, I think that wraps it for this episode. Do you think so, Aaron? I'm wrapping right now in my okay. mind, creating some okay. West Coast <laughs> beats. Okay, you do that. So until next time, I'm Nate. I'm Aaron. We are your pals on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Arg.